0: Peace and blessings to you. My name is Jerry B. I am the Entree musician, and so are you. And I gotta tell you, this is the show right here. We might as well cancel 2023 because this is the episode. I'm going to introduce this gentleman, which you are already accustomed to. You know his work, you know his sound, but I have. Five eyes I'm going to lay on you as I try to describe him and bring him to the screen. He's absolutely an innovator, definitely introspective. He's iconic. He's an innovator and an incredible influencer. This is none other than Royal Future Man Wooten. So grateful you've joined us on The Entree Musician. Blessings to you, Brother Wooten. How you doing, man?
1: All right, I'm doing good, man. I'm glad to be here, and um, I'm glad that you're doing this this show. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, yeah. I'm great grateful for your time, and I got to tell you what, man. I, I tried to do my homework, right? And I, I listened to all of the interviews that I absolutely could listen to uh, about you, and I yeah. know that in just every interview you do, you usually end up giving a music lesson so i'm definitely anticipating a music lesson but i'm gonna try brother to ask you questions that you haven't been asked before and i think you've been all over the place
1: all right i'm going with it
0: absolutely before we get started though we want to show some love to brandon david who actually brought us together through his more than a mastermind on Thursday nights, man. But uh, you are a celebrated uh, inventor and uh, your whole family, man. The Wooten brothers have just been in the space for the last 30 plus years making it happen. Some of you, of course, uh, you and Vic, probably a little more celebrated than others, but Reggie, Rudy, Joseph, all geniuses, man. Do you, when you get together, as a family, do you think of yourselves the way that we do, that, yeah, we're doing some genius stuff, or you're just brothers hanging out?
1: Uh, We're just brothers, because we've been doing it so long. Um, Vic started playing with us when he was two years old. So uh, he got started right away, and then uh, Reds taught him to play, and then by the time he was five, we got good really fast. We were (laughs) opening for War, the band War. Uh, wow. Slipping in the darkness, oh, yeah. opening oh, yeah. for them. Wow. When Vic was fine, just learned to sign his name, and he was signing autographs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so been doing it a long time. And um, my mom said, you know, my mom didn't really trip out over people like saying, oh, they're geniuses and all of that, and they're so good. He, he's, she said, that's that's all they've been doing. They should be good, you know. <laughs> Didn't like look at it like that. So we just, you know, forward thinking, we just pushing man, we're just like really into it. Yeah. And uh, and just, just ha- happy to be still growing with music, you know?
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, I have to ask then, what does the next generation of Wootens uh, look like? You know, your children and your brother's children, when they get together as cousins, are they in the garage jamming like you guys were?
1: Yeah, well, you know, over Christmas and stuff, I got together with a uh, Joseph's son, Joe's got a son, and Vic's son Adam. So this Jesse is Joseph's son, and Adam is Vic's son, and they both play drums, and they've been playing drums since they were little. And so, like, over the holidays, we meet, and we just kind of we we go we go into the to the. It's like a wood chip, but It's like a challenge. Chip. Check this out. <laughs> You know, we're going to work with this idea and flip it up over and flip it upside down and see what we can do with it, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I think uh, not this Christmas or the last Christmas, we were going through paradiddles. Mm. We're just paradiddles, but we just grouping them in groups of five.
0: Understood.
1: So you're uh, paradiddle, but instead of accenting every four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left. We accent every five. Mm. 1 2 3 4 5 1 2 start all over and oh, it just wow. takes you through the journey and it's a thought it's like a whoa. yeah. think about it <laughs> it takes get through that obstacle course. But you know, when we're over the holidays, we get a chance to kind of dive in. So the next generation is doing their thing, you know? Uh, when I can't play or something with my brothers or something like that, Jesse, he just sits right in. Wow. Last time we uh, we jammed, it's in my, my Facebook Rhythm Hackers group where we talk about rhythm and music and life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Adam sat in with us. You know, on the tune. I said, man, Adam is here. Let, let Adam take the chair on drums. And wow. uh he's doing his thing, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, how old yeah. is Adam? How old is he?
1: He's in college, getting uh-huh. ready to graduate. So, you know, he's on the gymnastics team. I think he's in his last year. Wow. So whatever that is, when you're in college in your last year, you know, he's getting ready to uh, get to Michigan uh doing gymnastics and stuff and and then when he leaves he's getting ready to tackle the big apple New York with his uh sister Kyla
2: uh-huh.
1: who's also the next generation you know right. she's singing acting uh music and she can really write too wow. like she's probably got a book or a movie inside of her a few movies waiting to come out that's Kyla.
0: That's fantastic.
1: So yeah so all, all the nieces and nephews of next generation are they're all he's coming into their own.
0: That's beautiful. Well, let's go back to the Wooten brothers again, because, I mean, you, you all started so very young. I think uh, Reggie being the teacher, but I, I believe that you guys went out not only with war, but you were out with uh, Curtis Mayfield uh, in yeah. his heyday yeah. as well. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah,
1: yeah my brother Joseph was just talking about that. He just did an interview. uh, Actually, my brother Joseph is a a person you would love to have on this show too. But uh, he just did an interview with some coaches and he was explaining, we did war when Vic was five. Mm. And then either a few months later, a little bit after that, we were um, opening for Curtis Mayfield on the Superfly tour. Wow. Yeah, it was a Superfly tour. And it was supposed to be a whole tour, but the tour shut down early because something happened and people weren't getting paid, and it was just a scene, man. It was like a scene out of a movie. <laughs> you know? The straight scene, we did the show, was great, and, and watching Curtis for the show was killing, man. And there was a crowd waiting to come into the second show, but something was happening where people didn't get paid, and a guy came to my mom and dad said, you might want to get your kids out of here, there's not going to be another show, wow. and it might be, a, 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 you might want to leave now while everything's calm. So on <laughs> the only way I was doing one of the musicians was saying, "Kids, y'all need to get out of music now while you're still young, and we thought funny, man, we were like, man, we're already hooked we're we not going nowhere,
2: man. <laughs> right? man, oh, man so
1: yeah, so anyway, that's young, you know what I mean like we're young and yeah. seeing these these musicians, man, war you know they got that they got that juking thing
2: juk- yeah juk- juk- juk-
1: and that's the same feeling that Bob Marley is jamming with when he goes, get up, stand up.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> that's that war thing. War yeah. had that thing in the air. So we just, yeah. we were up close on that. Yeah. And then seeing Curtis Mayfield, it's just a lesson in musicality and dynamics and soul. You know, Absolutely. he just played soft the whole night, you know? Mm. Yeah. And... uh you play drums, so from a drum standpoint, it was Curtis Mayfield's percussion player who inspired me to really push the drums to find the melody. Like, I'm on a, I'm on a search for the melody. Everything yeah. I'm doing with the everything I'm doing to take the, the drums from my sticks to put them in my hands, is just to get my fingers running drum concepts so that I can put that on the melody a whole different way. That's I'm, My whole search is going to the melody. And it, but it was Master Henry Gibson, who was Curtis Mayfield's percussion player. Yeah. Who every night they would stop the show and open it up and just let him go. Really. And he'd be picking up a percussion. It was like bongos and uh soft roto toms. The soft roto toms got a tone. Do
3: do 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 do
1: do So when you hear Superfly, do do do
3: do 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 do.
1: Do, 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 do. Oh. He's spending a roto time playing with his bongos. So every solo, he'd be taking a musical solo. And I was just like, wow, man. And you know, it didn't have to be Do Re Mi solo Sol Latino, but there were different notes and it was a melody carrying you. And right there, I said, man, the drums can play the melody like no other instrument. I want to find wow. that.
0: How old were I you want- when that was going on, man, boy? You know, you've be- big-
1: uh it was between five between between five seven five between five and eight mm-hmm. so uh five I was between twelve and thirteen twelve and fifteen twelve and fourteen wow so, somewhere in there
0: so you' swallowing yeah. a lot of music, seeing it up close and personal and uh getting to meet these guys and learning firsthand what that energy is.
1: Yeah, yeah, because we saw firsthand. You know what I mean? Like we were in the studio because Curtis Mayfield was gonna was gonna sign us to his label, Curtom or whatever. It yeah, Curtom. Yeah, right. And working out ideas. And I remember they were trying to get this a Celeste on. Somebody was trying to get a Celeste on our song before the Jackson Five used it because they heard the Jackson Five were gonna use it. So there's always the Wooten Brothers and the Jackson Five over there. We're the musical family. They're the the Famous. dancing entertainment. And the industry was always kind of aware of these brothers. And so we were always, like, on the other thing, on, on a parallel course.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It, ours was really more serious when it came down to music, right? Mm-hmm. So what we learned being up close was we watched them work in the studio. And the drummer, I remember his name was Nao. And maybe if Nao's out there, if he's still alive and sees it, I'd love to get in touch with him again. But they they were in the studio working out an idea, and people couldn't understand the ideas. So he just got up, grabbed some piece of paper, three pieces of paper, wrote it down on three pieces of paper, and handed it to everybody. And sat back on the drums, and they all played it right. Wow. We went, whoa, that was the coolest thing we ever saw. It was like, he just scribbled some stuff down, and they all knocked it out. And that's when we said, we got to learn to read music. See what I'm saying? Because like you could be good, a lot of times if you're really good, you just might poo-poo reading and writing music. It's like, uh, I already know how to play. I'm not gonna mess with that, you know? Yeah. But we saw this dude could play and he got up when they couldn't understand a phrase and he wrote it down, it was the drummer, not the keyboard player. <laughs> it was The drummer got up and did it. It was like, oh, that was nasty.
0: <laughs> yeah. Man, I could dig so, that. So, yeah. so uh, have you ever been on the same stage? I mean, if the industry knew the Wooten brothers existed, the Jackson 5 existed, did, was there ever a festival or concert where you were on the same stage together?
1: You know, not really. Uh, I think me and my brother Joseph played a, uh, I think it was a Jackson family reunion, Jackson 5 family reunion. And, but, 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 but we just happened to be playing with Bruce Hornsby. I, no, it wasn't my brother Joseph, it was me and Vic. I, I see. We just happened to be playing with Bruce Hornsby. Mm-hmm. And Bruce Hornsby on on this some kind of Jackson reunion. And then all the Jacksons were there, but and they didn't know if Michael was coming, you know? I see. And it was like all up in the air thing. And we ended up doing that show, and I think Bruce Hornsby's set was the only live music happening or something like that. But that mm-hmm. was the only time kind of... some of us were like on the stage together. I understand.
0: You know, yeah. Well, yeah. Well tell me the story of the beginning or the forming of Bella Fleck because the Wooten brothers are like hot and heavy in doing it, and and what was the approach to go uh, with Mr. Fleck to this other space where you just created a platform to destroy the world?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, it just kind of happens organic. There's a lot of story, man, because we used to live in Virginia and then um, we uh, went to New York to do some work with Kashif, a songwriter, producer. Oh yeah, and
2: he oh,
3: yeah.
1: produced the Wooten brothers for Arista. He had a deal to produce us, so we were working on that. And while we were working on that, uh, he would bring me and Joseph out on tour. And so it just working on that, wo- it, the record ended up beca- becoming called the Wootens, and we sort of just got caught in the meat grinder of professional industry not getting it all the way done stuff you know what i mean <laughs> like yeah, you know yeah. Uh, yeah. just real quick okay so like with that record the woos it's like it's hard to be proud of that record because uh the producer would, would call in all his musicians to play so Vic is barely on the record i think Vic might be on the last tune on the record maybe wow. one tune so how do you like, you know, we didn't feel too good about that. But now, yeah. when we, when people know who Victor is, it's like, how are you gonna leave that guy off the record? Like we're like we're Millie Vanilli or something. We can't <laughs> play, you know what I mean? <laughs> right? And there are our tunes, right? And it's like, right. wow, man. So anyway, that that was an, in, an initiation. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. It was initiation. I love to tell that story because even though Vic was left off most of the record. I'm playing some percussion and stuff here and there, but it's a studio produced record.
2: I see. You know? Yeah.
1: We're kind of barely on the record, kind of thing. See? Wow. Not totally authentic. You know, that's a lot of what's wrong with the music industry a lot of times because they're not being authentic, man. So you take this kind of talent, leave the bass player who's going to be known as one of the greatest bass players.
2: Ever. Leave him off. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But the whole of the story is that Vic didn't quit. See, he didn't quit, right? He didn't say, "Oh, I'm not gonna read it." Right. right? He just kept on developing until the whole world knows. Right. Who it is, and maybe they can barely remember the producer. See what I'm saying? Exactly. It's kind of right. like that. Hold your ground. And just keep developing. Life is giving you things, right? It's giving you things for a reason. Yeah. That obstacle course is par for the course.
2: <laughs> you know that. what I
3: mean?
1: So, yeah, so we're doing that. You know, while we leave New York, we're just like, yo, this is is not going to happen, man. Because basically, we're trying to finish the record. The record doesn't get finished. Then we end up going back on tour with Kashif, and it just keeps getting put off. We finally get it done. It just kind of was not too good of a scene. And we're kind of regrouping. We do some work at Busch Gardens theme park. And there, uh, uh, we met uh, engineer uh, Kurt Story. And Kurt story was always trying to get us to come to Nashville. He said, man, y'all got to come to Nashville. Man, it's a whole music town. Y'all need to come, right? So when things, when there was an open span of time, Vic went to Nashville first. He came to Nashville first. And uh, when he was there, he just met all the good musicians. You know, he started playing with Jonell Mosser first, playing oh, around man. town. Yeah. And he's working out these new techniques. He was just getting these, these triplet thumps and all this new technique together. So he's sneaking up on people. People are not ready for what he's getting ready to drop, right? So like like Vic played a, a club in Nashville with Joan L. And when he took a solo, I think one of the drummers like fainted while he was taking the solo. He just, <laughs> he just got so excited. Like, whoa, you know what I mean? It was that kind of scene, you know what I mean? Right. And then Vic, Vic would be working a, a, a health food store and on, uh, at night, after it closed down, he, he would be doing solo shows, working out his solo stuff. Wow. That becoming a cool little, little, little scene, you know? So anyway, we got to Nashville, Big came first, and there he met all the good musicians, Edgar Meyer, Mark O'Connor, Stan Bush, Jerry Douglas on Dobro. Um, Kurt Storey, the engineer, said he called up Baylor and said, Baylor, listen to this. And he put the phone to Vic's bass, and Vic started doing that triplet thumping stuff. And I've heard Baylor saying, man, this sounded wicked, like some like bass banjo triplets, Earl Scrugg bass banjo stuff. <laughs> and, and so that just happened to coincide with the time where Baylor was looking to put together a jazz band, because he wanted to bring the banjo to jazz.
2: Yes, yes.
1: And not just leave it in bluegrass. He he basically wanted to play like Chick Corea and return yeah. to forever and all the fusion. Right, so fusion is in the air, right and Fusion is not doesn't stay in four four time. it goes all over the place yeah. and that's the way Baylor really feels. he He feels all over the place, right yeah. And so he got Baylor got offered to do a PBS special a whole hour of Baylor Flex music and at the end he wanted to do this jazz group, put the banjo in a jazz setting. so he was putting together a quartet. yeah he had met the harmonica player Howard Levy at a Winnipeg Folk Festival. Right, at that Winnipeg Folk Festival, somebody just said, you two are good musicians and need to know each other and just pushed <laughs> them. In. And they said they jammed all night, it was light. It was getting light when they finished playing. Wow. So they just connected. So when Baylor met Victor, he already knew he wanted to play with Howard. And you know, if you think banjo and harmonica, that's already got some Americana to it right there. Right? That, that's a little, that's, there's something to that, right? And. uh so he met Bit, and he said, man, I just about got my band, man. All I need now is a drummer, right? But he knew he wanted a jazz thing, and Nashville's not known for jazz thing. There's a bunch of jazz drummers moving here now. Uh-huh. Great drummer, Kate Smith is here. Uh, the drummer for Animals as Leaders move here. What's his name? Um, I'm trying to think of his name. But anyway, the, uh, the a great uh, rock fuse not fusion, but kind of metal. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he's, he just moved here. There's a lot of good drummers moving
2: here. That's good.
1: But back then, to get that jazz feel, uh, Baylor thought he might have to go to New York because Baylor's from New York. Mm-hmm. And he went to the School of Arts where all these great drummers like Lewis Nash and people like that. Yeah. And he's thinking he's going to have to get a, a jazz guy to really to anchor this jazz thing down. So he's hanging out with Vic and they're listening to all these records. And as they listen to the records, Baylor would always ask Vic, what do you think about... What do you think about this guy? And Bick would say, yeah, man, this sounds good, but, man, you got to check out what my brother's working on, right? Mm. You got to, you you just got to, you got to check out my brother, right? Because he, Bick knew I was working on this. I uh-huh. was working on my dramatar at the time. Yeah. So Bailey was playing up. What do you think of this guy, man? Oh, yeah. He says, man, he sounds good, but, man, you <laughs> you need to call my brother. You know, you need to check out what my brother's doing, right? And he would say, well, how, well, how does your brother play? Does he play loose? Does he play t- what? He said, you just gotta call him. Man. And so Baylor said, man, after Vic just kept saying that, he said, well, man, maybe I just need to just do, he keeps telling me this, let me just call him. Right. So Baylor finally calls me up, and I'm really s- surprised that he's even calling because, and he's asking about my instrument. I'm like, this this experiment is so personal. I don't know that anybody even knows about it. Wow. And when I start basically working on the drums, I'm just trying to find a way to play the drums in my fingers right. to move the rudiments around. Cause I like rudiments. I was on a, I'm studying, I love studying rudiments and, and seeing how they work, the 26 standard rudiments and then seeing how Philly Joe Jones and Charles Wilcox and then all these slick dudes yeah. use the rudiments in a different way. It's right. slick, man. So I was on a study of that, you know? But I was trying to bring it in my hands,
3: mm-hmm.
1: right? right? So I start, yeah, yeah. So Baylor called me while I was, um, playing a guitar and at that time, my first guitar, I was just shifting from my first guitar to the syntax version of the guitar. I see. So that first version, that was a private instrument that I'm just learning how to, I'm just, le- I started like, I started with the idea of just seeing if I could take beats. If I can do paradiddle, 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 you know paradiddle, no, paradiddle, did, 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 paradiddle, Yeah. Right? Uh And I'm just move the drums around in that Buddy Ritz, you know, kind of And if I can move it through my fingers, it make me see the melody a little different way. So I'm experimenting. My first drum talk, I made some footage of me. I'm just documenting. Okay, this is what I'm finding. This is how I'm moving the rudiments around. And somebody saw that film, Bernard Porter, and said, man, I gotta have that in my band, (laughs) right? So I, it gave me an opportunity to take it out of the garage and get on the stage. I said, well, let me see if I can move the dance floor. You know what I mean? Now the experiment is not just a personal in the garage, private thing. I'm out there on the dance floor getting stuff moving around. Yeah. And so I had gone through that and then I had switched to the syntax when Baylor called. And when Baylor called and we just had a conversation, I was just surprised that, that he was calling. And then he told me, Vic told him to call. I was like, oh, oh okay. And so he was talking about doing a band. You know, and we started talking about this and Baylor liked odd times. And he talked about sevens and stuff. And I was telling him, yeah, man, I like it too, man. And there's a way, I was telling him how there there was a way of feeling odd times that was so natural. You know, we can make everything flow. And then um, the main thrust of that conversation with Baylor was, Baylor said everyone was telling him, just stick the bluegrass. The banjo belongs in bluegrass. That he shouldn't be messing with jazz and all that kind of stuff, right? And I said, well, I said, to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take another position. I'm going to say that if you can get this right, you can bring be- the banjo back to jazz the way banjo used to be. Because if you look at Louis Armstrong and his hot five, right, right. in the middle. Of- so the banjo used to be the guitar of jazz. I said, you get this right. We can bring the banjo back to where it belongs, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, it really, but the banjo belongs in jazz. So don't feel like you're outcast. I just always tried to, to lift up what he was thinking of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, man, you could actually do this, right? Yeah. So the only thing was, I said, Baylor, man, I wanna do your thing, but this instrument is so new, it's so fragile that I don't know if it'll survive the airplane ride. Oh. That was the thing, you know what I mean? The airplanes can destroy stuff. Yeah. So we just said, okay, well, if it doesn't work, I'll just play drums, right? So long story short, we did the airplane thing I got it off the airport, we opened it up, boom, everything worked, and man, we would just jam from, from now to the next day looking like this. <laughs> We'd go, up, go through the night playing, man, and Baylor just, would, he could pull out all of these little nooks of ideas and corners of ideas that he didn't know what to do with it. But now, whatever we played, we can make a song. Yeah. Like, I said, wow, I never heard my ideas back like this. See what I'm saying? He's got me and Vic, right? Right, right, right. And what he throws at us, we can turn it into something mm-hmm. nice. And it was nice already, but a lot of times it was quirky and a lot of people might not have understood where he was going. Cause Baylor's like a natural, he's got a natural composer. He's kind of like Baylor Bartok, who yeah. he's named after. Wow. He's got that. So that's the journey, right? And then somebody the other day asked, What's up with all these odd times? Like, where is that coming from? How did you get your natural knack for navigating these odd times? And that was really kind of when fusion music hit the scene. Mm -hmm. This is Billy Cobham and Tony Mm -hmm. Williams and Lenny White, Mahavishnu Orchestra, and they navigating all them Indian times, changing times. So we were already, we were already like chewing on that in our garage with all the musicians coming over. Yeah. So by the time we got to Baylor, whenever he would change, like we were ready for it, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, we can make a change without you knowing that it's changing, you know? Absolutely. And so that was that was the whole fun of it. So it was just a natural extension. And the thing I have to give you credit about Baylor, here's the thing. So he, he, Big told him to call me. Then he called me, right? Then he said, "I'm going to get you to play, right? You have to have a forward thinking mind, right? To call me up." <laughs> Look at what I'm dealing with and say, I want to I work with you. Great. Now that's, that is, okay, let, let me put it like this. Okay, so Baylor was getting advice, right, when he was doing his, his when he, this went so good that he wanted to record. Mm-hmm. So all the experts around him were saying, man, you need to get established people to record. You know, you got to get famous people, known people. We're mm. unknown. Here's yeah. Vic. Who knows who Vic is? Howard, he's out there. I'm doing the drums like this, it's just like, everything is not quite right, right? And so everybody was like, whoa, dude, you need to get established players. And Baylor went with his instincts mm. and stood around, right? And so because of that, you have mm. everybody in that band is pushing the instrument where it hadn't been before. That's true. See, I mean, Remember the harmonica player that he met? Yeah. He's yeah. playing a blues harp, man. He can play one blues harp and play through all the keys. He's playing notes on that harmonica that's not there. He figured out how to overblow and get the in-between notes. So that's, that's a dude that's pushing things that's where right. they don't belong, where they that's do right. belong, you know? Here's Baylor pushing the banjo so that he can play with Chick Corea, yeah. which he's done a lot of beautiful duets with Chick Corea. Absolutely. Here's Vic. And he's stepping out there, man. And it's really like I have to give my hat to uh, Vic and Bill Dickens. There was mm. a guy, another guy, Bill Dickens. Yeah. And he was on. That, that 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 I that plane that frequency that Vic was on, Bill was hitting it his own way too. Yeah, There's yeah. something in the air, right? Yeah. And they caught something, and just whoa, the bass is never gonna be the same. Right. Never gonna be the same. Now here's me on the drums, mm-hmm. right? When I get done, man, the drums not gonna be the same, man, because <laughs> it's like I, I'm just beginning, man. I'm still just beginning. Absolutely. But I'm, man. You don't know how hard I'm listening to Billy Cobb. Man, um I'm like trans Tony Williams, Max Roach, and Elvin Jones is my whole DNA. Everything my I my. do is see what I'm saying. But Max connects to the melody that goes back to Master uh Timmy Gibson. Yes. See, I gotta think a melody. Right. See what I'm saying? But by the time I get to melody, I want to hit it like Charlie Parker and Art Tatum. Mm-hmm. See what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I'm trying to hit the melody like that. So I don't even want the do 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 I don't want it like that. I gotta hit it like bird. Like yeah. I I wanna be popping so I can pop them rudiments and be popping the melody at the same time.
2: Absolutely. So that's
1: that I'm on, right? Right. So yeah, so man, we're experimenting with the flat tones and before we know it, man, there's a bunch of Grammy Awards. Yeah. You know? And... uh and, and again, I just have to say this, for the journey, what's very uh, interesting, we just recently were recognized the Miles Davis Award in Canada. Very special award because the Miles Davis Award is given to a single musician for the year. You know, Pat Metheny's got it, Herbie, uh, different people have got it, right? But with the Flectones, it's the only band where everyone in the band got it in the same year.
2: Wow. The
1: only band. Now that's an honor because, you know, Miles Davis knew how to put together a band. <laughs> and nobody ever got it like that. Maybe yeah. no band, other band ever will get it. I yeah. don't know, but still a first. And uh, it was a recognition of something where everyone was doing like Miles, pushing the instrument and pushing the music somewhere where it hadn't been before. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm experimenting on the drums. After the dust settles, wow, we look around and all the stuff we wrote on a piece of paper because again, right, we're, we, 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 me and you are in a mastermind together. Yes. And one of the things the masterminds talks about is writing stuff down on a piece of paper. Right. And so with the Fleck as a band, we just wrote down a wish list of stuff that we wanted to do, right? Here's this jazz band, bluegrass, whatever you call it. And we just, we wanted to do the Tonight Show. Back man. when we started, it was Johnny Carson. That's right. And we we want to play the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, man. We want to like, we want to go to the Grammy Awards. And it was like, well, yeah, you know what? We want to go, but we want to win too. We right. want to win some Grammy Awards. We want to, uh, whatever. Oh, we want to do the Arsenio Hall show. That was the biggest show. But, My. dude, man, everything we put on that paper came true. Every single thing. Man, we did Tonight's Show with Johnny Carson twice.
2: Right. right. We did it with Jay
1: Lynn on Branford maybe two times, you know, and, um, uh, we did the Arsenio Hall show. Mm-hmm. Why? Because Arsenio Hall was a bass fan. Uh-huh. And he saw bass, bass, he was like, I gotta have them on my show. See what I mean? So things happen in such a way. And if there's a moral to the story, what I'm saying, like people ask, how do you get out there? It's like, you just gotta go in and yeah. get your thing together. It's kind of like, I can't tell you how you're gonna meet your girlfriend. Right. You know what I mean? But you gotta be getting yourself together.
2: That's right. That's right.
1: getting yourself together and life comes to meet that. You yeah. know, when you least expect it, see yeah. what I'm saying? So, like, yeah, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a beautiful thing. And then, you know, you just keep believing in your vision.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You just keep believing your vision. And when you lock into your vision, a lot of times your vision will scare you. Like, yeah. I heard you talk about this show. Right. And you said, man, I brought all the boats, man. I'm stepping out there on this vision. Right. Right?
3: Exactly. So that
1: vision will take you into the deep water, man. You just got to have faith. It's like floating. It's like. Yeah that kind of thing, and then life comes to meet that. That's right. See what I'm saying? So I've just seen that a bunch of times, man, on this journey, yeah. a bunch of times on this journey. Here I am experimenting, I'm just trying to learn to play the drums, right? I already know how to play the drums, man, but I'm trying to get it like this, cause I'm trying to get my fingers to get to the melody, you yeah. know, to, to find my back to the melody. Wow. Tipping uh, a hat to Master Henry Gibson.
0: <laughs> mm. Well, you, you know, you named so many incredible drummers that you grew up listening to that were influential. And I know Elvin Jones in your DNA, but is there anybody Ooh. out here like right now that's kind of rocking your world and still holding an influence on you?
1: Well, you know what? A lot of them are my friends, man. I met them on the way up. You know, people <laughs> know Carter Beaufort. But I've been knowing Carter Beaufort, the drummer for Dave Matthews. Man. Yeah. hey, right? right. I'm proud. Right, Right, because Carter, he was always a pocket drummer. He's just solid. He just holds that pocket. Ain't nobody going, you know what I mean? You could just sit in that pocket. Then I saw him playing with Dave Matthews and he was like getting flowery on that pocket.
2: Yeah, right. But the
1: pocket (laughs) still, still, but he's flourishing on top. I was like, man, this band is good for Carter, right? So my thing is like, uh, yeah, some of them are my friends, man. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. here's the thing, and it's personal because like with Carter, Carter would come and would shed with us through the summer. I would hang with this drummer, Billy Drummond, another great jazz drummer, right? Yeah. Teaching at Julia. Yeah. And he around the corner from me, so we just shed during the summer. We just we going like deep, you know what I mean? Wow. It, and it's going through phases. Who who want um? The summer we were we were we were, we were we were really into Billy Cobham, but we yeah. were shifting Tony. Tony Williams, right? Yeah. And, and, and uh, Billy called me up one day, he says, man, you gotta come over right now. He said, Tony Williams is playing a ballad and he's killing more than he's on, more than Four and More. Now Four and More is up temple, Tony is burning. He said, Tony's playing a ballad and he's killing more than he's killing on Four and More. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm walking over to his house, man. I'm like, how do you be killing on a ballad, man? I'm like, is Billy exaggerating? Man, we got the Nefertiti. Oh my. Now, all they do is play the melody over and over and over. And Tony's the only one solo. And it's exactly. like listening to Shakespeare. And they said they missed the first tape. I don't know who the producer was, but they didn't hit record. Oh they said on when the first time they did it was killing more than what they did. My wow. God. So I'm just going, Wow, man. But but Billy wasn't exaggerating. So check this out. So when we're digging into Tony Williams. A young lady is visiting summertime, you know, uh down the street from Billy, walks over, pigtails, freckle face, and it's Cindy Blackman. Oh no. It's Cindy Blackman, man. She said, Man, I heard the drums. I had to come over. People trying to get me to play the flute and the clarinet. And I want to play drums. We we're like, yo, you need to play drums if you like drums. So she's hanging with us. Wow. Right? Man. She's hanging with us. Carter is hanging with us, right? So Carter, after he shares with us that summer, he goes back to school and doesn't take his football scholarship. Right? Carter said, I had a full ride, a full ride, halfback, and he didn't take it, so he gonna stick with the drums. So that's how we influencing each other. See what I'm saying? I do. And then goes on, goes on, then I hear Carter said, man, there's this kid from South Africa and he's auditioning for me and Leroy to see if we'll help him do his music. That's Dave Matthews, right? They're sitting back like Simon, getting ready to hit the button. Are we going to help this guy? And Carter said, man, this kid got something. This He said, this kid got some. I think we going to help him.
2: Right.
1: And then it gets so good, it's like, okay, he's finishing the Dave Matthews uh, record, but Carter got the Ramsey Lewis gig. Right? I so see. he's playing with Ramsey out a gig, but here comes Dave Matthews, record is done. They get ready to hit the road and he's at a crossroads.
3: Yeah.
2: I'm
1: talking about your vision taking, you, right? That's your vision great. brings you to a crossroads. Right. You know, you accept it. Does the hero accept the journey or does he like stay safe? Like you burnt the bridges, right? So he doesn't know what to do quite, right? If I get ready to get the band and get up and down the road with Dave Matthews, yeah. So he asks Ramsey Lewis. He plays it for him, and Ramsey Lewis hears it and he says, Man, you gotta do this, this is some good music. You gotta do this, and if it doesn't work, you can always come back and we'll be playing the same old tunes, right? So now he was at the Y and he chose the right path, man, because they touring every summer still. Absolutely. Millions of dollars later. That's right. But here's what I'm saying. Like you said, who do I like today, right? Yeah. I'm listening to Carter, man, that's my friend, right? He's hanging with us. He sees how deep we're into it. He says, I'm going to stick on this. I'm not doing football. Right? Right? And we talked about that. He said, yeah, man, I would have been retired a long time ago in football. <laughs> Probably all hurt. You know? But he's still killing on the drums. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So many late years later, Cindy Blackman is married to Carlos Santana. True. Playing with him. And she's killing Tony Williams. That's yeah. the point. Yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Right? We were listening to Tony Williams fast. Yes. Slow fusion, million dollar legs, Tony. There's a whole lot of schools of Tony. Absolutely. And Cindy got them all. Man. Cindy got symbols. See what I'm saying? That little freckle face girl, got them all. So Cindy Blackman. See what I'm saying? Now Absolutely. Dennis Chase right up the street. Yeah. Dennis yeah. is biting the same, like bit. It's like a bitter fusion root, jazz root. Yeah. That after Billy Cobham comes out of Tony Williams and he's ripping the drums like you never even imagined. Absolutely. Like people see gospel chops and stuff now because it's like Kobe Bryant coming out of Michael Jordan or LeBron (laughs) coming out of Michael. That's how we play ball now. But before (laughs) he did that, it's just like, you never saw anybody hit the drums the way Billy Cobham hit the drums, man. You were watching a Marvel superhero on the drums. Exactly. (laughs) Drums, and this dude is ripping them down, man. It's like yeah. he took the Tony Williams fire and just went, Whoa!
2: That's right.
1: So, here's all these jazz guys just giving, like, I'm like, Wait a minute, what's wrong with this? I'm used to jazz being soft. Here, are all these fusion drummers killing harder than rock drummers. Absolutely. What is going on? Right? So, it's out of that. Here comes Dennis Chambers. See, you know King, who Dennis Chambers is? King. He's inspired, old school, a gospel child. Yeah. And we're building off of where Billy Cobham took it to know that the the drums is like a superhero instrument. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So yes. I have to say, who am I listening to? Yeah, Dennis Chambers is, is at the top of the list, man. Way at the But he's fighting the same thing. But yet, he can play with George Clinton. Correct. He can hold the phone. That's correct. You
0: know what I mean? That's correct. He
1: can play an Atomic Dog, right? Right. I mean, boot, and he's, he's flamming the kick drum on the one. Right. He's doing two bass drums, but right. hitting the kick like, but it's two kicks. Yes, it
0: is. black. Yeah. Because you know on the record, the record is backwards. That kick is backwards on the, on the recording. So he's doing that live. And I've seen him do that in D.C. with P-Funk. And it's just like, okay, you know, you take yeah. a step back because he's just on the pocket right on the, but the broom, broom. It's there.
1: Yeah. So so what's cool about that is like, okay, so, you know, people, you know, here's the funk drummer. Then Dennis Chambers explodes with John Schofield. Correct. That one John Schofield record came out and everybody was like, whoa, we're not ready for all of this. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah, so, Chambers, man, I've seen a lot of these young drummers grow up. I've seen Thomas Fridgen, little mm. guy. And, you know, he's at all the NAM shows with his mom. Now he grows up. I met him at the Grammy Awards. Wow. You know, he he was doing something, and um, one of my favorite drummers I'm really listening to uh, that I really like right now is Ronald Bruner. Mm. Ronald Bruner, his brother is Thundercat. There you go. Yeah, but Ronald it's Bruner, amazing. he's a very special guy, and um, I'm happy to see him in his 30s, and it seems like he might be calming down a little bit, like as far as like. Just being so mischievous, you know what I'm
2: saying? <laughs> it's like, you
1: know, he got so much talent. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm just saying the drums is in a good place. You yeah, know what I'm saying?
2: Good. Like, that's good.
1: Who I like, like Dave Weppel. I love that tone. Oh, yeah. yeah. His attention to tone. We toured with the Chick-Korea band, you know what I mean? And then um, I'm, oh, Matt Garska is the drummer for Animals as Leaders. Uh-huh. I love the way that Matt Garska, and he lives here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. drummers are. A, a, a different way, yeah. and it's fresh, and it's still, it's still uh, unfold. You know what I mean? So coming out of Buddy Rich, Max Roach, and Art Blakey, Elvin, and all of these, I'm liking what the what the what the kids are coming up with. Absolutely, you know what I mean? It's the same thing. The same way you can't not like Kobe Bryant, man. He's <laughs> he's a copy of uh, Michael Jordan, you know. Yeah. And so it's LeBron, you know these are the kids that Michael Jordan wanted to come out and keep taking the game somewhere.
2: That's know,
1: Michael Jordan's thing was he didn't want to see basketball turn into like a a brawl. Like Detroit was playing more brawl kind of basketball. You know what I mean? And that's what they had to do. Like Isaiah said, man, we had to do that because everybody was rough. So we had to be rough too. We can't not fight back. So we fought back. And we won. We beat all the Giants. We beat Boston. We beat Magic. We beat them all. We beat Jordan. Yeah. He said we beat them all. But Michael Jordan said that, that might not be good for basketball. See you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like <they're laughs> people playing like that in the playground. Right. And, and so Michael Jordan came with this Barishnikov thing and a whole nother type of level, man. <laughs> and so here we got the Kobe's. We got the Zions. Yeah. We got the you know thing. Like the the game is like lipped in another way. So, um, when, you know, out of Dennis Chambers, Billy Cobbman leading, we've got yeah. the Thomas Pridgens. We've got, yeah. you know what I'm saying, Matt Garskas, yeah. uh, the Weckles, you know, yeah. coming out of the, yeah. fun, the 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 fight, man. It's just like, I, I love
3: it, man. You
1: know,
0: you know who what I'm are- saying? I just- I'm really vibing off of, uh, and I have for a long time, but Will Kennedy and Billy Kilson are two that I kind of like, you know, if I could put them together, and when I'm sitting there with my sticks, and, you know, Will Kennedy's in one speaker, and Billy's in the other, it's like, maybe I'll learn how to play drums one day.
1: I know Will, because Will's got that left-handed lead, like uh, Billy and like Lenny White, and he's super funky. You know, his brother is personal happiness.
0: That's correct. That's correct.
1: Brother or uncle or something like that. Yeah,
0: no, it's his brother, older brother. Yeah, right. it was
2: very so grand.
1: Funk. He got that funk and he could play that upside down sound right. and stuff. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. whoa, it's kind of like when you hear Carter Boker and he plays uh, the tune Rapunzel with Dave Matthews. Yes,
2: yes. that's, that's right. that
1: upside down backwards. David Garbaldi meets Steve Gadd meets Sideways. You see know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man. <laughs> Yeah. You're making me laugh, man. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. That's, some, that's some juice right there, man. But uh, yeah, I was just wondering who, because I've heard you talk about a lot of different drummers and 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 those who really paved the way, obviously Tony Williams and him, and Herbie Hancock was the dynamic duo. I mean, you know, you can forget about it as far as melody is concerned and, and what Tony's doing alongside of Herbie. I mean, two yeah. peas in a pot. But uh, yeah. yeah, I just wanted to get who might have been the most influential from this particular generation. So,
1: I appreciate your,
0: your uh, this, acknowledgement.
1: You know, you know, I just watch, because Dennis, you know, comes out of that same school we were. So, you could just hear how much he's affected by Billy Cobham. You Correct. know what I'm saying? So, the step after Dennis, you could see it in Ronald Bruner so much. You know, mm-hmm. like he's, mm-hmm. I've seen Dennis play the Cobb, almost the Billy Cobham set. I've seen Ronald when he tours with uh, um, Kamasi Washington. Yeah, he's out there. Billy yeah. really said, I mean, he might have even had a clear set one night, just like Billy, man, right? And it was <laughs> like, okay, they're carrying that, they're carrying the flame, you know, of oh that. Goodness. But I have to mention Mark Mondesir too, because oh, he's. He, he, Dennis Chambers told me about him. He said, pay attention to Mark Mondesir, you know. Um, but you know, I got so many, man. The way uh, my man is playing with a uh, living color.
0: Yeah, oh, Will,
1: I to tip my hat to wheel and all these cats, man. There's some bad cats out there. Absolutely. You know, and they're inspiring. Kenwood Denard. Yes. Man, yes. man, I was doing drum camp. I had Kenwood Denard, right? And I had learned to play 7 over 5. It took me a whole summer to figure out how to run triplets to superimpose 7 over 5. And Kenwood Denard said he was going to do it. I was like, yeah, I want to see this. I want to see this right here, because I know what it's supposed to sound like, because you can't fake it, right? (laughs) Let me me finish eating, and then I'll get to it, right? So we're eating dinner, man, after drum camp, and he plays seven over five. Man, I'm still trying to figure out how he figured it out. (laughs) He played, that's Kenwood Denard. That's some genius level stuff right there. And he tried to explain to me how he did it, but I was just like, wow, man. You know, this is is a good journey.
0: Absolutely. Well, you yeah. don't talk much about your solo projects, man, but you have uh, four killer projects, and you dip into classical music and whatnot. You know, what, what's your approach? I mean, you, of course, you got the Wootons be, behind you, you know, as far as your experience, obviously the platform with Bella, but to come into a zone where you say, this is the expression that I want to make, and this yeah. is my spirit coming into this recording, what's your approach in that process?
1: Yeah, well, with the classical music stuff, it's, it's really you're, you're seeing me find the melody that I've been looking for all the time. Because all the violin parts are, uh, come off of a keyboard that I have built. Uh, the, the people who made the Zendrum yeah. instrument, um, uh, let, let me just see if I got a Zendrum here to sure. show you. Uh, sure. So the people who did Zendrum were inspired by my first instrument, okay? Mm-hmm. And. They were inspired, I got a chance to meet David Haney and they make these instruments with all these pads on them, wow. right? This was the idea that they saw me doing with Baylor and they were like, oh man, I, I wanna try this. And he, he was like, he wanted to meet me. And when I met David Haney, I was like, man, go for it, man. I need somebody to to, to, to share this with people because I'm really still racing down the road. Yeah, You know, I, got, I gotta I get the reality, right. right? So this is the syndrome. And this is an instrument that people can play. When they gave it to me, they played it like this. I see. Yeah. But when they gave it to me, I took it like this. <laughs> that's how I saw it and they didn't tell me. And so they said, man, you flipped it over just like Hendrix, man. And so I, that's how I played it. So this is a model of the Zyndrum called the EXP. Mm-hmm. And it's got more pads that, that are sort of set up the way I use the pads. They got the pads under the bottom and they got it made upside down. The screen's on the top, so not, because a lot of other people like to play it like this too. So this is called And um, the, 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 the point is with Zendrum, that company now, they understood the p- piezos enough to help me build my piano version of the drum oh. So it's from the piano version of the drum tar, that now I'm setting up the pads in a grid where I can get to the melody. Start from Henry Gibson. We're coming through Max Ropes, right? But I'm listening to Charlie Parker. I'm listening to Art Tatum. I'm born on the same day as Art Tatum, October wow. 13th, right? Mary Lou Williams, jazz pianist, tells us how Art Tatum was getting his speed. And it's something I was already doing. I was starting to do with drums where I'm going one surface to the next surface. And the way Art Tatum is raking on the keys to yes. get that speed, wow. he's raking from the black keys down to the white keys. See what I'm saying? I so do. instead of doing a chromatic scale like duh, duh, next finger, you know C, C sharp next finger, D next finger, E, E sharp, uh, D sharp, E, he just goes thumb, first finger slide, second finger slide. He got all five of them. Ha. Huh. Right? Then you cross over with the thumb on the F and do three slides and you got the whole chromatic scale. You know, sliding on the keys. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So with my keyboard, I have it set up in stair steps so that I can take advantage of these slides. And then I'm on the path to the melody. This is the part you can't see unless I tell you, right? I'm hitting the pads and I'm using dynamics to change the pitch of the note four times, okay? Now, follow it. my logic, this, we're getting abstract now, right? That's cool, that's cool. I, I play trumpet, the trumpet's only got three valves, but if I hit this first valve, I can go down low, get a B, right? You know what I mean? I can yeah. get a D, I can get a D up here, I can get about four different notes off of this thing depending on how tight, I make my armature.
2: Yes, yes. So
1: I'm using dynamics like armature. Wow. Right. So when I hit soft, I get one note. I hit a little bit loud, I get another note. Louder, I get another note. And then on the top, I get whatever the first note was. So it's really, I got a three note spread with the octave on the top. That's the way you think of it. Yeah. Right. So now I'm leaning into my rudiments and the melody and I'm hearing the melody just leap out of the out of the out of the melody, but it's leaping and it's clean like Charlie Parker. Wow. <laughs> okay? Wow. Right? And it's also if I pulse a rhythm, yeah. right? All the violin parts for my symphonic works came off my keyboards just like that. Really? That's me. I already found the melody, man. See what I mean? Now people don't even know. I already found the melody. Right, and I've composed the melody, right? Now we've orchestrated the melody. All the or- instruments of the orchestra is orchestrated around my violin parts. All of my parts that I played on the keyboards are for the violins. Wow. For the violin, right? So wow. i got two symphonic works. The first one, actually, um, for my first piano, I did a symphonic work that was a became a ballet called Evolution d'Amour. Now, I'm getting ready to start right? a Patreon so I can just let people see the journey. Sure, I'm going to start a Patreon. On a Patreon, you're just going to be able to join the membership. It's probably going to start at $5. And then if you want to um, get more behind the scenes or get on a, a once a month Zoom together or something, it'll be a little bit more. Then sure. if you want to have a lesson, it'll be a little bit more. But basically, I'm going to let you see this journey, right? right? How right. does a drummer go to composing a ballet, right? That's on my first piano. On my next piano, I'm working on music uh, because the second piano is what's got the splits that I'm telling you about, the harmonic split, While I'm using dynamics like armature yeah. on a trumpet. See what I'm saying? Now, who's, who's thinking like that? See what I'm saying? I'm on a journey, man. I and I'm you. like, I'm completing Master Henry Gibson now. Okay? <laughs> right. So, in the violin parts, Like I like my first violin player that I met, my concert master. He says, "Man, nobody writes like this, man. It's like, how did you even come up with that? You know what I mean? If (laughs) if I told you, I have to kill you, you (laughs) (laughs) right? But no, no. He said this is some unique stuff, right? But basically, I got eight movements of music, and when I was composing this music, I could feel the story coming, but I didn't know what the story was. But I could feel there was a story. And the only way that I captured that symphonic work is I was running a dat player before I would start because I already saw that my scheme was working. So what I just told you, one note, two notes, three notes. Imagine all the notes do that. All the notes do that. So when I hit a chord that's working a combination that works, that thing is popping out of the groove. There's melodic parts popping out of that groove. That's how nice. all the string parts came. Boom, yeah. eight movements. You know what I mean? And that ends up becoming the uh, the, the the symphonic work that becomes the Black Mozart, right. uh, the yeah. Chevalier St. George, or the American was my first name for it. Now there's a film coming out about uh, the Chevalier St. George and they have my title, Chevalier. That's the title use. But I like it because the obvious title is the Black Mozart and that's, it's the most spicy title, but it's not the right title. Because you're relating him to Mozart, and he was the superstar. Mozart was the was the struggling guy when he was there. Yeah. Right? He was a superstar during the time of Mozart. So it's not right to put him under Mozart. Right? You I know what I mean? Like it. and this new movie understands that. So I applaud them. Yeah. What wow. Hollywood though is that this story. It's like Marvel comic books, man. We finally have a musical protagonist. <laughs> we never had a musical protagonist before.
2: Right. See
1: what I'm saying? I've been looking for a musical protagonist even before I knew I was going to be working on it. I wanted a musical hero. See what I'm saying? Like somebody like Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, yeah. fighting, killing yeah. on the music. And Jeez. here he is, right? Joseph Alonso de St. George. Now, when I'm working on the music, right, on my piano, right, right, I don't know that that's his story. Wow. So that's where the string parts came. Uh-huh. It was so good. I was invited. Uh, uh, I forget who was listening to it, uh, but they, they were just saying, "This is really good. You need to like, you need to finish this." You know. So I got it transcribed and orchestrated. So I whole have a whole symphonic work. Man. And then around that same time, there was another body of work. Uh, and that I call The Secret of Kings. And that's, uh, it's called The Secret of Kings. And that was dedicated to one of the most enigmatic figures of all history, Le Comte Saint-Germain. He's like a wizard, he's like Merlin figure, you know? And he's Merlin figure during that time. And so these are my super stories that I'm working on. The point is, what I'm getting is, I've always said, I see the drum set, like a piano, and the piano is a drum set. Said that a long time, because I can feel the rudiments now melodically.
0: Yeah. Do you know Barry Mounds?
1: Now now I can take a rudiment, like a paradiddle diddle. Yeah. Paradiddle diddle, -diddle, paradiddle diddle, -diddle, which is right, left, right, right, left, left, right, right, left, right, right. Now I can split my fingers. Paradiddle diddle, -diddle, paradiddle diddle. But now the one, I can do the one here. Paradiddle, diddle, -diddle, paradiddle, diddle. -diddle. Little finger, paradiddle, diddle. -diddle, Paradiddle, diddle, -diddle, paradiddle, diddle, -diddle, paradiddle. You know what I mean? Like I'm moving around and it feels melodic. Yes. It feels horizontal melodic. Like I can move, uh, I can move stuff around. You know, and uh, and I can take Elvin Jones. See, like, 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 I can take Elvin Jones. Quick music lesson. So, Elvin Jones is the master of the triplet. And I'm using Elvin in in the funk.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, uh, 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 uh.
2: sure sure but
1: i can take the elvin now and this is me now taking elvin and splitting those triplets triplet But triplet, triplet. now i'm counting five on that triplet one mm-hmm. two three four five one two three, four five one two three four five one two three four five two three four five three see i'm taking the triplet don't change them two,
2: right two, three,
1: five, three. and just by accents i make you hear the one in a different place
3: cool. one, two, three,
1: two. One, two, three. One, two, three. Uh, 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 uh. album but I'm gonna swing a 7 in my right hand over the elbow 12456 <laughs> 1234 1234
3: 1234 1 2
1: uh, 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 he had that seven, it's yeah. for
2: Yeah, yeah. And you make,
1: don't, you don't know, but it's the feeling of elk. See what I mean? You it's make it's me want to pick of- up
0: my sticks. I think I should pick, go and get my sticks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. You do, it's stick control. It's a great stick yeah. control. Yeah. Exercise, right, because you got to go right, left, left, right, left, left, and you never change the right, left, left. But yeah. you do change the accents. Man. See what I'm saying? So, in your sticks, you're going to go right, left, left, right, left, left, but you're going to count five.
0: Yes, and yes, so yes.
1: Come in three different places. One, two, three, four, five, one, right? Comes on the second bounce of the triplet. Yeah. That's stick control, learning to accent, at the second bounce. One, two, three, four, five, one, right? Second yeah. bounce. And the next one comes on the first part of the bounce. One, two, three, four, five, on uh, two. Four five down two three four five right two three four five up two four five down two three four five yeah, and then when you yeah. get it you just let the sticks flop dot deep to right, right? And when I guess you let the right hand flop back and forth dot to 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 Right? Right. So I'm talking rhythm, right? Yes. But to me, that's a melody. You mm. know what I mean? So I'm doing it here.
3: Like Beethoven. But we're doing da
1: You know what I mean? We're moving
3: different flows.
1: Yes. The journey from the drum standpoint. So on my keyboard, right, all the violin parts is coming from me finding the melody, Mm -hmm. right? So it's one more stage. When I get this new instrument done, I'm going to be able to step in front of the orchestra. And we're gonna have stops and starts where I do it concerto style. Like I'm gonna solo on the drums the way a violin was solo in front of the orchestra. And that's gonna be the homage to the Shabali St. George. I'm gonna be taking the drums like in a place where they they haven't quite gone before.
0: So let me me ask, may I ask then, are you going to be introducing your new Wootinator on that particular show? (laughs) On what show? Uh, uh, on the one you're talking about when you're stepping out and you're gonna be doing the drum solo as a violinist yeah, would.
1: Yeah, in front of the orchestra, yeah. I'm working with the, uh, there's, a, there's an orchestra in Venezuela, uh, these fantastic kids that are taking some of the music and and soaking up the music. And at some point, that might be one of the first orchestras that I do it with from a solo standpoint. Now the music, is stand oh, you could just do the music straight, but I wanna do it in such a way that it's a concerto. Yes. And that's going to be like this homage to the Savaria St. George, because Savaria St. George was a virtuoso. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. He's a virtuoso. And so, you know, it's like, you know, this is just really a journey, you know? Um, It's really a journey. And you're going to see me as I go, you're going to see me introduce different tools and stuff that you can use to practice some of the techniques that I'm going to be doing. Because some of the techniques, have to do do with me, I'm sliding. Ah. So if I'm doing Elvin, when I'm doing this, I can slide it. Yes. Right, so Elvin. Now I'm gonna slide those
3: triple. Elvin's here. Yeah. I'm taking Elvin
2: here.
1: I don't know if that's picking up. That is, is that picking, picking up, up beautifully. Right, right. So so the last thing I'll say, I won't go into this too much because this is this, this goes from Jedi to Sith level. But where I'm going here, those are forward slides like Art Tatum is doing. And I'm going to introduce the Rue and the Kai, the forward and the backward slide where I'm going here. Elvin, forward slide. da, da, da
3: forward and backward
1: wow. <laughs> See how I'm going backwards and forward. I feel
0: it. I feel that's, it. That's
1: that's the Sith Lord. That's the Sith Lord level right there. When we're going Jeez. back and forth. Cause I was only doing my left hand. You're doing it on the right too. Yes. Right. We're going. This is this is now. I'm tipping my hat to Billy. See what I'm saying? Cause we I'm tipping my hat to Buddy Rich and stuff. Because we're gonna keep pushing it. Yeah. So you, I'm talking melody. Well, all that stuff is melody to me. I, See what I
2: mean, I do.
1: Yeah, but I, I'm a long way from Master Henry Gibson right now. But My I'm, standing right, next, that, that
2: yeah, is I'm standing
0: right next. Amazing!
1: That that
0: is amazing. Man, I I really appreciate the demonstration on that. That's that's hardcore uh, yeah. mastery right there. Yeah, that is Zen yeah. level Yoda Yoda. I wanted to right there for real
1: yeah it's kind of jedi stuff right the only way only reason like Yoda wouldn't teach someone because they were too old is because a lot of times your mind is closed mm. you know you can learn this stuff That's you, know? Like, yeah, you know it's like yeah we're opening our minds to like some some this journey but this is the journey that I'm on
3: yeah
1: right and like after so many years I kind of see where I'm going with this thing you know what I mean like I see how I'm standing on the shoulders of Art Tatum, yes, Charlie Parker, who wanted to play like Art Tatum's right hand. That was his whole thing, yeah. you know. Uh, uh, Charlie Parker, great saxophone player. Oh yeah, he worked
0: yeah. bird
1: he something in the just so he could hear Art Tatum night after night, and he said he just wanted to play like Art Tatum's right hand, and that's how our bebop comes out of that because Art right. Tatum's like bebop, you know.
3: Absolutely,
1: well so I'm I... standing. So, I, yeah.
0: I, I need to ask you a question because with the musical innovation that you do, you're also a hardcore entrepreneur. And how do you think, you know, you know, our mastermind is into Web3 and NFTs and whatnot. And so your same approach that you're doing with a simple envelope to make so much music, you're taking that approach and applying it to your entree musicianship, actually. How do you... How do you bridge the two between what you think about music and how you do your business?
1: Yeah, because I think business at the highest level, I think Seth Golden said it, uh, that, you know, when your business becomes part of your art, mm. you know, when you're an artist with business. And so a lot of times when I'm thinking about business, I just think about what would Muhammad Ali do, mm. right? He's a boxer, but he knows he's got to market that fight.
3: True.
1: You know what I mean? He knows it all the way so that where you would be more, maybe more natural training alone. You know what I mean? I wanna train and get myself together. He comes to the training, he's not in shape yet, but people can come and watch him train. Howard Cosell criticizes him, <laughs> right? He's already opening to social media. You know, he would be killing on social media right that's now. That's true, that's so true. He, his instinct is that he's marketing himself. See what I'm saying? Like, and he's using strategy, smarts, story. See what I'm saying? So like, when he says he's a pretty champion, he got that from Gorgeous George in professional wrestling. Yeah, He saw Gorgeous George talking about how pretty he was. He's right. uh, loud mountain people booing him, trying to see him get beat, but he said, man, the place was full, so he's <laughs> using that. I'm a pretty champion, I can't possibly be beat. So half the audience is coming there to see him get whooped. <laughs> and half of them going with him, but he's filling up the stadium, See you know what I mean? So he's marketing. Yes. He's marking like uh, George Foreman said, We were calm, we did a contract on the phone, everything was calm. And Ali said, Don't worry about the market, and I'll market the fight. And George Foreman said, The next day, I was the mummy. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> That's what he <laughs> called it. And it's a psychological story going into his opponents, too. That's true. Because he's like, I can tell you, uh, Muhammad Ali is probably studying the 48 laws of power. Hmm in the 48 Laws of Power, one of the laws, they said, you might not believe these laws, but the people who run the world run it off of these laws. And one of the laws was never let anybody name you. Mm. Right? What happens when people name you? Well, we go to Australia, and we call the original people the Aboriginals. You know what, that's what I mean? true, we, that's true. We, we name these Black Indians, we name them Indians, like we in India somewhere. Right. You know, we name them all kinds of names. You could be an Indian or you could be a Negro. One's yeah. going to the plantation, and one's going to the reservation. This is name, this is the power of words now. Names and claiming. So what's the first thing Ali did? Name his opponent. That's good. Name his opponent. So what I'm saying is the strategy stuff. So I'm taking the drums, right? If you look at Miles or any of these musicians that you know is that you know of them. There's some kind of way you know about them. Right. There was some kind of marketing that got them out there, where there's just consistency, just like with this podcast, consistency. Yeah. That was a uh, big and rich. They said, man, we just picked a Tuesday night, a night where everybody's going to be off. And we just hit it every week consistent until they built big, built a following. Right. And that's what's happening with the podcast, right. uh, Diary of a CEO, Di yeah. mentioned that. He said that consistency lets people know, look, okay, I'm gonna spend some time with you. I know to arrange my time at this time because you're gonna be there. Yes. Consistency. And you're you're creating the glue for what you're gonna do. So with Muhammad Ali, he just showed how fun it was to be marketing yourself. And he's more open than a lot of artists are. Because when we're artists, right, we like to practice, don't let nobody, don't want nobody to see our mistakes. That is so but interesting. He's he not even in shape. He's letting you see you him get in shape. Places full, people talking about it, betting against. I know you betting against me, Howard Cosell. I know you betting against me. You don't think I can whip him. You know what I mean? He's just right. so open writing poems. That's you right. I'm yeah. Imagine Muhammad Ali now with NFTs. <laughs> you know I mean? Wow. Man. Destroy so, yeah. it. I'm I'm being that being in that child mind to the game. And, and, and the creativity, the creativity of how you create souvenirs for people. Because what to you might not be anything, might be a souvenir to someone else. That's true. See, like all these back page, uh, backstage passes, the sign on the Tonight Show door when we did the Tonight Show. You know, if you had all that, man, people man, people like that stuff, it's just combination for us. But it's putting that mind to it and the creativity, yeah. artistry, of how you can put your music out there in a more meaningful way that has been done before, right? And also, you're seeing more and more artists say we're thinking of, of ourselves not as one particular genre. I'm a genreless artist. Correct. More and more people are doing that. At NFT Nashville, Sammy, one of the guys, Sammy, that sold a bunch of records through NFTs, said, "I'm, you know, I'm pulling my music off of Spotify. I'm just, you know, I'm a genreless." artists, because people listen to music while they're working out. Yeah. And it's not supposed to just be, you know, or they might be on the cycle, or they might be doing this. They might be meditating. You know what I mean? There's music for different moods of the day. That's right. You can create music for all of these different places. So for the marketing stuff, I've just always liked marketing, affiliate marketing, how you can put a record out and people can get a piece of what's happening if they tell somebody. I've always liked that stuff, man.
2: Yeah. Like gifting
1: that's how I kind of bring it in. It's that 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 piece that goes with what it is that you're doing to get out to the people. And it's kind of like marketing is this, okay? If you do a show, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I just saw Kendrick Lamar not too long ago. Man, we get to the show, man, and the merchandise line is already full. People already know that we want a souvenir from this moment. Gotcha. Now if you're an artist and you haven't no t-shirts, yeah, you don't have no souvenirs, man, people are gonna be upset. You see what I'm saying? I do. Like it's like old people to give them something to buy. Yes. Because it means something to them, so they just they the show how not even started yet, but the merchandise long is killing it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I this do. is the, this is this is it's like we got we getting a feeling for this. Yeah. People might want souvenirs from what it is that you're doing. You know what I mean? And if Absolutely. you know that with the forethought of like a Gary Vee,
3: mm-hmm.
1: all I'm a lot of what I'm doing right now is just yeah. watching how. Gary V is yeah. thinking between B Be Friends 1 and B Friends 2. Cause to me, B Friends 1 was a, was a little weak, man, these little scribbles and stuff. But yeah. what he was offered for those scribbles wasn't weak. That's true. So it didn't matter if his drawings were weak or not. It didn't matter. That's true. See what I'm saying? Not matter. Right? What he yeah. gave you behind that drawing was it. Now in B Friends 2, he's showing you what his vision was for that little scribble. That little scribble is now is kind of. It's starting to look like Mickey Mouse now. That's right. See what I'm saying? We're learning. I'm I'm just learning the thoughtfulness because he's done like, he's got even over 10,000 pieces, which is over the magic number. Mm -hmm. And he's done different drawings for all of these. So he's really thinking about what's going on. And he says that you have to remember when you're creating these souvenirs or NFTs, you're creating an economy. That's correct. And so the fact that we can do that, it's very, that's got my ear. That's really got my ear. So. So as yeah. future
0: man,
3: where do yes. you
0: see the industry 10 years from now with the NFTs, with web three and everything coming in and you're being at the forefront of it? Take me 10 years into the future.
1: Well, if I was doing a movie about it, the movie would probably open in the metaverse. <laughs> right, it open in the metaverse. Right, you think you're in the real world? The metaverse is looking real, like more real than Avatar, right? So we've got companies like Unreal Engine Mm Five, that's allowing you to create kind of a metaverse type of scenario, like they're using in, um, Mandalorian, the new uh, Matrix used the Unreal Engine Five. Yeah, man, you can use the you can download the Unreal Engine Five for free. They say you don't owe them until you make a million dollars. True. Then, Then you you know, then you come back to us. They want people to create in this scenario, but it's allowing people to create virtual realities and stuff. So in the future, I really see people being in the metaverse, Mm -hmm. you know, which is like how we're talking now. It's kind of a formal metaverse, but we're not, I don't look, I don't feel like I'm sitting in a room in a chair in front of you. If we were doing this metaverse, I would be in whatever my avatar is and you'd be right there. But we're in the metaverse. That's right. Now, in the metaverse, like I got a bunch of pictures related to my script that I've written about the Chevalier St. George, but they leaning up against the wall. they back in the wall against the room. right? In the metaverse, I can put them up and say, Yeah, man, I'm going to check right. this out.
3: That's right.
1: Yeah, you know, right? I know Sally <laughs> Hemmings, right? Here's Sally Hemmings' child. Here she is, an adult. And that's Sally Hemings' mother right there. Yeah. Right? Why is she in the movie? There's two thieves. Why are the two right. thieves in See what I mean? There's the antagonist. That's a bad man like right that. See what I'm saying? The Absolutely. metaverse is like So, where I see it going in the future, I see it your consistency is having this show and it's also happening in the metaverse at the same time. Simul- simulcast. Yeah. Simulcast. And so, I'm really big on Superworld because I really like Superworld because Superworld is thinking of uh, augmented reality, yeah. kind of like with Pokemon. Yeah, and they see themselves as a gateway to all the different metaverses. The metaverse is just—it's just a place you can go. Like LinkedIn is a place we can go. Right. Okay, LinkedIn is cool, but some people don't don't trip with LinkedIn. So we like to hang on Instagram. That's just another place you can go. Instagram. Some people Facebook. People leaving Facebook, you know. But that's just a place you can go.
2: Right.
1: Uh, TikTok. That's another place you can go. Right. MySpace was a place that a whole bunch of people used to go. Exactly. See what I'm saying? metaverse is like that, not just one metaverse. It's a bunch of places you can go. So Super World, I like how they're thinking because they're thinking as, a, as a, a conduit between all the different places that you can go and that everybody don't want to be wearing them goggles all the time. Right. So they, they know little glasses are coming on and you could be in this world and you could say like, imagine, imagine, okay, this would be a scene in the movie, right? We're sitting on the beach and somebody sees a uh, airplane fly by w- Fly by says, will you marry me? And you think everybody's seeing it, but only one person is seeing it that got the goggles on. And the dude is prepares them to his girlfriend. He said, you gotta come to the beach, I gotta show you something, you know right. what I mean? <laughs> he looks up the goggles and there's the plane going by. As, will you marry me, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So what they're showing in, in Super World, like you can send messages to people. Like if you go to an African store and you have an African mask, In the metaverse, you can have a location that shows where the mask was made and go to that place and see where they make it in the metaverse and connect in all different ways. I can send you a message if you come to Nashville, I have a message right at the right foot of Athena waiting for you, but you gotta go there. Right. You gotta put the glasses on like Pokemon to see it. Yeah this is kind of where we're going now. See what I'm saying? So you could be leaving clues for people, yeah. like kind of Pokemon for like, if you have a contest for your thing, you know, it's really crazy. Wow. I don't think we thought our best thoughts yet. Mm. See what I'm saying? But yes. to answer your question, it's best for me to see it like in a movie, a scene. I would see a scene in a movie and she's the only one seeing it. And That's you think cool. everybody sees she takes it off and says, I do, I will. You know what I mean? And it's like, the airplane's not even there. You know, but it's there in the plane, it's in there in the glasses. This that's is correct. what's going on, you know? And yes, again, sir. I yeah, this show would be simulcasting in the metaverse um, and whatever location that you're doing it on, I don't know if you're doing it out of your house or out of a studio. In yeah. the metaverse, you get to buy that property where you're actually doing it. That's correct, that's correct. And then work it out like that so that if anybody does anything in this property, makes money in this space, you get a kind of a cut of it. So this course. is this is this is creative stuff here. So yeah, we got to put our child glasses on here, That's man. Right. Our, like what would Muhammad Ali do? That's you right. Know what, I'm saying? Like, what would he do, man? His you know his fight gonna be in the metaverses, man. Right. You know, like you you know what I mean? you be sitting in the metaverse watching it with a whole bunch of people, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm yeah. just kind of thinking like that. You know, it's uh, there's a bunch. Okay, last story I tell you. The That's reason why. I, Metaverse so
3: serious.
1: Yeah, is I have a friend that introduced me to Second Life.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Second Life has already Metaverse been going for a long time. That's true, right? But it, and and they have the clues on how the new one is going to go. But my friend Fred Wooten, he had me in there, and he's introducing me to people, and we're meeting each other. And we're like, well, where are you right now? We're all right here in the same space, but we're asking, where are you for real? See what I mean? Right? And I said, I asked where are you? I'm in Canada, I'm in Switzerland. I'm at, see what I'm saying? That's right. the metaverse. We all in the same place, but we all somewhere else. Right. But the power of this is that I met somebody from Canada and then when the later played Canada, this person that I met as a cartoon, I said, man, we met as cartoons. When we played Canada, she and her whole family drove over 10 hours to come see us play live because we met as cartoons. We met as cartoons, man. It's like, you know? And then when we were coming for real, I was like, well, yo, we gonna be in Canada. Okay, she drove over 10 hours, man. So these are the type of connections that are yet to be had on this, right? So whatever we're talking about, there's an audience out there too.
0: That's correct. when, when you, you think about this connection right here, I mean, again, it was Brandon David calling me to more than a mastermind. You got to come here. I didn't know you were going to be there. We've met some dynamic people through that. And so then this gets to this point right here. I know yes. where Nashville is. It's 10 hours away from me. I can be in Nashville if I left right now. I can be there tonight. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, but, I, I dig it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I had someone do that actually recently too. He said, Man, I could be there tonight, man. He came to see us play with my brother's uh Joseph had a has a birthday special during the Christmas holidays. And a friend of mine, Mark Ham, said, Man, I can make it tonight, man. So he just came on down and uh but this is yeah, it connects the worlds. How Absolutely. we meet is the keyhole to 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 hear, you know, Absolutely. and how we're dressing up here. But how we're our microphone is the microphone it's it's going meta now. You yes. know what I mean? Absolutely. The microphone meta, and yeah, I, and I love the people that we met. It's like with Mozart. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It, okay. Again, uh, you were saying um, the future. What I see in the future. Mm-hmm. One of the things in the future is I just really like books, mm-hmm. and I've always said when a computer feels like a book, that's going to be another paradigm. That's true. saying? You know mean? and, and so what Tactile. Moses was talking about with Samsung, I think they've actually hit something and they don't know that they hit it right now. With that fold phone? Yes. That fold phone opens like this, right? And I've seen this for over five years, that the com- that who's ever gonna make the computer open like this and not like this? Yes. You know, and we open the computer like this now, but right. a book opens like this. Right. So whoever gets us to do this
2: is they win. on it, exactly.
1: but they don't know it. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So Apple came out with the, I don't talk about this a lot, you know mm. what I mean? Because it's so simple, but Apple came out with one page with the iPad, that's just correct. one page. Right. We need two pages. Now we got a book, that's right? Correct. But Samsung even beat what I saw cause they put the fold and you open it up and it's just one big screen. Right. That's like a book without a crease. That's correct. They don't even know they got it, man. See what I'm saying? <laughs> like, they're making the little phones. I was like, OK, so in the future here, I'm going to give you a future scenario. I'm getting ready to conduct a concert, my own music, dedicated to the Chevalier St. George. Because it's not his music. I wrote it for him. Yes. I wrote a book. This music is an homage to spot. But we're performing it in the future. And everybody on their music stands, their music opens like this.
2: Oof. Yeah. You
1: know what I mean? These are yeah. their music books. Right? And just right. imagine an iPad and an iPad, but it's not an iPad, it's a fold. Ooh, dude, that is paradigm. It is. shifted right there. And, and so when we met Mozart the other day, right, and I mastermind, I was like, I'm close to being able to tell somebody in there, yo, man, y'all don't even know what you got right here. <laughs> right? And so my whole thing is like, man, if you could just make me one prototype,
3: <laughs> just right. make me
1: one prototype. I could do this, you know, what I mean? or even if you could equip this scene for the movie where everybody in the movie could open up their music like this, that's paradigm because a computer opens like this. That's right. Whoever opens it like this, dude, I'm telling you, man, it's done. <laughs> it's gonna be like the iPad next generation. Absolutely. And, and Samsung's already winning, but they, they they making them all small. Yeah. You know. They make it on the phone. It makes the phone even get big. Dude, if you just make one like like an iPad size, now you walk your book in your case, you open it up.
3: This is what's
1: up. I've never a lot of times I don't talk about it because I want to I wanna get it done. You know Mm -hmm. it's so easy. It's so easy. And and then when they did the fold, Mm -hmm. that even beat my idea of it. Wow. See, I always like two iPads, okay, yeah, we got a book. But with the fold, there's no crease in the middle. That's true. Dude, that's, that's true. it's so wicked, man. If I could just talk to the right person at Samsung, I just I, I I take my hat off them cause they got that done. They got I'm sure that done. You,
0: I'm sure you can make a call and, and make it happen. I'm certain. All right, This is Future Man go. and yo, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> that,
1: yeah. But that's the scene uh, for a future, that would be a futuristic scene Word where up. everybody, to the to the music and they got their music book. Yeah and when they open the music book, they open it, boom, it looks like pages. Whoosh, 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 but they, it's like it's 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 a virtual it's a virtual book that they can use for the music and they can use for their ice pad stuff and everything. That's like how it. pivotal I think it is. But I think I need to show it.
2: Yeah.
1: I, I need to show it in a in a cool scene. Yeah. My goodness. So these are fun futuristic, you know, things. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm so grateful, brother, that you uh, chose to spend this time with us. I really am. I mean, you shed a lot of light on questions that I've wanted to ask. And uh, as I said before, with respect to the interviews that I've seen, it's like, well, don't ask that, don't ask that. He's already answered that. And you just came to the stage to just share. So I love your heart. I love your spirit, man. And uh, I love hooking up with you every Thursday night on the More right. Than Man. Uh, that's tonight,
1: right?
0: That's tonight. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll tonight. I'll see you in a couple of hours, man. Right. <laughs>
1: yeah. A couple hours, man. And yeah. And really, good luck on the show, man. It's really a. Uh, it's really a. Pow- it's really quite a journey, man. Thank it's you. Really, really quite a journey. I appreciate and, uh,
0: that. You know, we're all learning and growing, and and uh, like Brandon said, you always say, they say I'm one thing. They may say I'm a genius, but I'm coming to this with the heart of a child, and so I really heart- appreciate that.
1: Right, right. With the heart of a child, so I'm gonna do some stuff. that's gonna look wrong for a minute, but I'm gonna <laughs> learn it. <everything.
0: laughs> right. Absolutely. Well, peace and blessings to you. People know how to get in touch with Future Man. I love what you're doing on the uh, on Facebook with Rhythm Hackers, man. So, uh, you know, uh, keep it going strong, man. Join the group. Check out what Future Man is doing next. You can find them everywhere. So, peace and blessings All right. to you, brother. <laughs> yeah.
1: Check out Rhythm Hackers because I'm, I'm I'm gonna be sharing. Uh, we had a wicked jam session here. Uh, my brother's a teacher, and all his students are virtuosos, and they all not all, but a whole bunch of them came over, wow. and so it was just like, oh look right, look left, oh oh, and then I'm able to drop some rhythm stuff to some of them. So I'm gonna show some of the some of the conversations that were being had.
0: Word up! Yeah, that's very something. cool. I'm joining it in 15 minutes. You, you all watch right, that.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm letting you in. So come Excellent.
0: on. You got it. Well, blessings to you and peace and blessings to you. Blessings. My name is Jerry B. That was the future man, Royal Wooten. Make sure that you check him out and make sure that you tell everybody you know that you get down with the Entree Musician. Don't forget to go to Amazon and get the book, The Path of the Entree Musician nine keys to unlock your mindset discipline and focus and we will see you around peace and blessings to you i'm jerry b i'm the entree musician and so are you see you next time